Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Building meaningful relationships with our children is more challenging than ever in today's world of distractions. Elizabeth Canasis has written a new book about this, and she's sitting down right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Elizabeth, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me about your new book? It's called Parenting Teens Today, It's a Different World, and that certainly is true. So what's this about? Well, today they're with technology and fast-paced lives. Teens kind of get lost in the sauce, so to speak. And parents are not really able to catch up as far as I've seen from my own experience because I lead some groups at church and whatnot. So I wrote this book to kind of fill in the gaps, referring to medical journals and also personal experiences that parents were going through to just kind of answer some questions. It's really important that parents are able to address problems that teens are going through in a practical manner. And there are a lot of keys in the book to be able to practice the material that's in the book as well as reading it with other people and discuss it. Hmm. With all the research and everything that went into it, did this take you a long time to put together? Honestly, I would have to say God had a lot to do with it because times I look back at it and I'm like, wow, I wrote that. Hmm. <laughs> um, but the research, yes, it did take time because you have to look and see what's credible, what has worked for people. I used a lot of government resources because you know that these are practices that are being implemented in large group settings. And you said many of these problems you observed in your own experience. So can you think back to when you got the idea to write the book and how you were inspired to write this? Yes. So there was a friend who was a police officer and his daughter was on social media and she had her location on and she was just chatting with someone that she thought was a friend. And a guy ended up coming to her door. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, he, being a police officer, he knew what happened. And he was upset that he didn't foresee this. And he didn't have the communication with his daughter to know what was going on. Mm. So that's what the book really addresses is communication. And as a matter of fact, when the group ended, a guy came to me. It wasn't the police officer. It was a different guy. He had come to the group to support his wife, and he ended up being more of a regular attender than she was. And at the end, he had said, I thought you were going to teach me how to reel my child in. You taught me how to talk to my daughter. Now I have a better relationship with her, mm. and now I have a better relationship with my wife as well. So communication is the key in this book. What an important message there. Now, after all this hard work, when you got that first copy in your hands, what was that like? <laughs> it was surreal. I was like, I, is, this, is this really, you know, a real book? Is it, is it going to make an impact? Which I really hope it does. People who have 
read it already have given me some really positive feedback. And honestly, this is just a, a labor of love because today's family is, is extremely important. And to our youth are, are the most important legacy that we have in our lives. And this book, it's just to support that because we can't lose sight of our future and our future are our children. When it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? I'm an academic, so I do write frequently. Just it's different. It's a different type of writing. So this one, I wanted to make sure it was concise, quick to the point with practical points that can be used. Because most books I see, they have a lot of content that you can get lost in. And it's like, okay, so I have all this information, but what do I do with it? Or it has a lot of psychological jargon and whatnot, which I put a little index in the back. If there is some psychological jargon, there's definitions. Also, there are points where you can look up more information so you can look at the links to find where I found the information. So, you know, it's not coming from just, you know, an opinion. It's really important to me that people are able to go back and look at the resources so they can further their own information. But I wanted to make sure that it was short and sweet and to the point. <laughs> the name of the book is Parenting Teens Today. It's a Different World. This was written by Elizabeth Canasis, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Elizabeth, thanks again for joining me. Thank you for writing this important message and putting it out there for the world. I just had a great time chatting tonight. Thank you for having me. I'd like to welcome author Stacy L. Pivar to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Stacy, thank you for joining me here tonight. My pleasure, Corey. Very, very happy to be here and glad to be part of the program. You've got a brand new book out right now. It's called Till Death Do Us Part. It's through Fulton Books. Can you tell me what it's about? Well, I'm a happily married man for about 37 years right now, 35 married and a couple of years dating and uh, doing the, the courting. You know, it's just a husband's perspective on the Institute of Marriage. I mean, it's so popular to come from a, a woman or a.k.a. wife's perspective that I just uh, wanted to get an honest feeling of what us guys go through. I mean, we count. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? Never, never. This is a, a first endeavor for me. I can truly kind of understand when people say they put, you know, it's like a, not a child, so to speak, but it's definitely a, uh, I put a lot of myself into the book personally, and it's kind of an emotional tie for me. Mm. Did it take you a long time to write and publish? Yeah, I want to say I have over uh, over a solid year of, you know, putting notes together and how I kind of developed the chapters and then, you know, singled out what the title of the book was going to be and finally filled in the chapters with actual words and stories. The whole collaboration took a good year. Hmm. Did you have any specific group of readers in mind whenever you wrote it? You know, for sure, my wife and my inner circle with family. And then after that, you know, just for, for normal people that are in relationships or that really would like to know, what, what do men think? You know, where, where do we really come from in a relationship that's of, of a level of being married? Hmm and a husband's perspective on what we want or how we want to see a successful, healthy, emotional life be at home. And, and I just wanted to bring my opinion to the table because I've been told uh, I make a lot of sense with basic things in life and I'm very logistical. And it's more for like, you know, husbands, aka people that just want to know, you know, what the relationship status and, and what it means to be in a committed relationship. What would you say would be the most challenging part of the publishing process for you being your first time? 
not understanding the due diligence that Fulton put in. I mean, they were very helpful with the book and the project, mm -hmm. and everybody I've spoken to was really on point with explaining to me the process and how it develops and the stages that it goes through. And then it was just the, the amount of time that went from, you know, actually bringing a, a hard manuscript in my handwriting, so to speak, into Fulton's hand to see how it could be cleaned up and make it presentable. Then when you got that first copy in your hands after all that time and hard work, what was that like for you? Oh, it was, it was like kismet. It was like a, an out-of-body experience. Mm. When I first opened up and saw the cover design really, really hit home for me. And then I saw my name on the book. It was like a, a, you know, a real, a pure moment of satisfaction. Mm. Do you have any words of advice now that you could offer to the aspiring authors who are listening right now? Oh, definitely. Follow your gut about putting any kind of thoughts down on paper, so to speak, and, and follow it up with, you know, with Fulton Books. It was a collaboration of what came from my heart, and they, they meaning Fulton, really kept it on point that everything is, you know, from your perspective, it's your book. You know, we're, we're just here to help get your book into the next level of where it could go. But this is your book, and that aspect was always supported to me from Matt and Fulton, again, from everybody that I've been dealing with over there. So just put your notes down on paper and go for it. It's an investment in yourself and in your future, and you get a really good feeling out of getting that first one under your belt. I tell you, like I said, being an executive chef and not being, you know, in this world of like writing or knowing anything about that, it was a really fun experience. Mm. Stacy, have you given any thought to writing and publishing again? Oh, absolutely. My wife and I were already kidding about what the next title is going to be. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were coming up with a couple of different things like, you know, you know, say no the first time. You know, my, my wife is, you know, my wife is very gullible and she's kind of like, uh, you know, the person I take advantage of a lot and in a very heartfelt and loving manner. But <laughs> I kind of take advantage of her gullibility. And she, she came up with the idea of saying, you know, like, uh, you know, to say no. You know, think twice <laughs> and kind of follow up on it, you know, being very funny from my perspective. It's a book about a husband's perspective, mine in specifics. But now that my kids and my wife have seen some of my antics on paper, it's like, you know, man, if I had just said no to that other fella I was dating, you know, it might have been a whole different <laughs> bowl of wax that I'm what getting with you. So I'll roll the dice 50-50 and see what <laughs> I would have gotten. I encourage our listeners to check this one out. It's called Till Death Do Us Part written by Stacy L. Pivar and published by Fulton Books. You can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for your books. Stacy, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Oh, Corey, it was a pleasure talking to you, sir. I thank you very much for your time and all the help again from Matt and Fulton Books. You guys did a bang-up job for me, and I'm looking forward to the next chapter in the road on my books. I've got an interesting book here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It's titled Spiritual Common Sense, and I have one of the ghostwriters, June Gallo, with me. June, thank you for joining me tonight. My pleasure. Now, this book, Spiritual Common Sense, is from the writings of Isabel Zaccardi. Can you tell me about it? Well, the book was bought from Isabel to helping her spiritual growth and to kind of get rid of some of the old taboos that have gone on for centuries that now we need to move forward. And so basically, that's pretty much her thing. It's what she wanted to do was to help you with your spiritual growth. And that's what the book is primarily all for. It's going to give you quite, a, quite an enlightenment on reading some of the things. Hmm. June, can you tell me how this book came about? Well, after Isabel passed, 
Paul Miner and I were her students for over 35 years. And when she passed in her will, she left all of her writings, all of her teachings, and any of her books that she had was left in the care of Paul Miner and myself. And so Paul Miner and I were the one, and she requested that a book be made using some of the material to help people. The ones that I think most people would probably be interested, there's a lot of them that are, I think, you know, different chapters that I think are extremely interesting. But probably the one, too, that I would think most lay people would be looking at would be The Hidden Years of Jesus. That's written in the book. Hmm. There is quite a chapter on reincarnation, and the person who wrote and was telling all about that is really phenomenal. But I'm telling on you because it was all done by Jesus. That chapter is quite profound. There's quite a few other. There's some things on the Bible Hmm. that is going to be quite interesting also. Also, another thing that is a different concept of God that most people have found that's really was interested in. And especially the thing on God was to find out that he was not a judgmental God, that he was a very loving God. And basically, he doesn't send anybody to hell. Now, when you're talking about things like reincarnation, you're talking about things like a a different concept of God and hidden years of Jesus. There might be some of the more fundamental Christians who might be alarmed at these things. What would you have to say to that? They would be very alarmed. I'm sure that some who are very staunch people would probably be very upset with it. But I will tell you, that is one thing I can tell you for sure, that everything in that book is true. Hmm. That I could almost, before God, I could stand and say, everything in here is true. When it comes to publishing the book, putting everything together and getting it ready for the world to see, was that a challenging process? Well, after being with Isabel for 35 years, it became second nature to us. We had to leave out quite a bit of material because I think the concepts would have been too much for so many people to grab. So we tried to keep it as simple as possible so that they could understand it. The book was written, if you notice, it's a small book, something that could probably be read in three or four hours, if that long. And that's what she wanted, was something that was not long and wordy, get to the point, tell you what you're saying. That's what, to me, I find with a lot of the self-help books. And now they get so wordy, they end up with hundreds of pages of saying the same thing. And this, you won't get repetition at all. You'll get the story and, and move on. June, we have a lot of listeners right now who also want to publish a book. Do you have any words of advice you could give them? I think mostly, you know, really do your homework mostly, and I think get a very good publisher, which I was lucky enough to get one who sort of basically walked me through the process. That was, of course, Christian Faith Publishing, and I think they did an incredible job helping me as a novice writer, especially someone doing their very first book. Well, looking ahead, would you consider ever publishing again? I might think about it. We have so much material that needs to be done, and it will take a few years before we can get something out again because of the extent amount of material that we have to go through. Well, the book is called Spiritual Common Sense. It's the writings of Isabel Zaccardi, Ph.D., and I was happy enough to be talking with one of the ghostwriters, June Gallo. This is a book published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can find it everywhere that you shop for books, like at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. June, thank you again for stopping by the show tonight. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you for the privilege. I would like to welcome author Walter Joe Wall Jr. to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Reverend Wall, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, I'm happy to be here with you. 
You have a new book out. It's called What If. What if I did, but I shouldn't have? What if I didn't, but I should have? What if I wanted to, but I didn't? Can you tell me what this book's all about? Well, let me start off by saying that uh, about four years ago, I started thinking about all the job opportunities I had turned down. And I said to myself, what if, what if I had said yes instead of no? Mm. <laughs> How different my life would have been. The main purpose of my What If book is to let people see how God, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, has guided my life since I became a Christian at the age of about 12. And now I'll be 93, January the 11th, 2022. And God will do the same thing for, I believe, that for anyone that will trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And in the book, What If? I tell of several decisions I made that were life-changing decisions. You know, it takes faith, hope, and love in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think, uh, to help us live the kind of life that will bring to each person God's holy blessings that he has promised to each one that will believe in Jesus as a personal Savior. And really, that's uh, the story about me writing the uh, book, What If? Sounds like a lot went into this book, Reverend Wall. Did it take a long time to write and publish? Yes, it took me about uh, four years by the time I started and by the time I got it published and all that. It takes a long time, uh, the different procedures and different things you have to go through with proofreading and all the rest. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're aware of all those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you ever done anything like this before? Have you written or have you ever published? Well, I had a book, though what I would call printed. I didn't have it published, so I don't want to even talk about that one. This is my first book that I really had published like it should have been. Mm. When you got that first copy in your hands, uh, what was that like? Well, i tell you the truth, it felt great. <laughs> it felt great to feel like you had accomplished something, you know. Uh, I've had a lot of other feelings like that, of course, in the ministry and also teaching in the Sullivan County uh, school system. Uh, God has blessed my life so much, and that's what I talk about in, in the book, What If, How God Has Led Me, when I didn't even know where I was going, actually. He led me through all those things, the, the what ifs of life, you know. And he has really blessed my life. And that's really what the book is about, to point people unto Jesus Christ, uh, you know, for them to trust him. And Jesus will guide you. The Holy Spirit will lead you. If you if meditate on to read the scriptures and follow his instructions, I really believe that with all my heart. Have you thought about writing another book and publishing more? Well, I have one in progress right now. It'll probably be another year and a half or so before I get it out. My wife passed away in 2002, and I'm writing a book called uh, My Journey Through Grieving. And I have about uh, 14 other people besides myself telling their story, how they overcame the grieving of a loved one. Sometimes it's a daughter, sometimes it's a husband, sometimes it's a wife. And I think it'll be a much better book than the What If to help people with what I'm saying. One, I hope, will be just about as good as the other. <laughs> mm. Could you offer any words of advice to the aspiring authors who are listening out there right now? Well, uh, if a person, if they have something they feel deep in their heart that they need to express to the uh, general public, they feel like someone has been in the same place they are in and going through the same hardships or troubles or trials or whatever it might be, 
and they want to express it for the opinion of other people that might be going through the same thing, and they can give encouragement to those people. And that's what I'm trying to do in the What If book is to encourage people to make the right kind of decisions that will bring happiness and joy and peace. And that's what we're all looking for, I guess. Hmm. The name of the book is What If? What if I did, but I shouldn't have? What if I didn't, but I should have? What if I wanted to, but I didn't? This is written by Walter Joe Wall Jr., and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Reverend Wall, thank you again for joining me here on the show. I had a wonderful time chatting with you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I enjoyed chatting with you also. It's an adventure from Texas to Alaska. In Janice Baldridge's new book, Dusty Goes to Alaska, I'm really happy that Janice is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about this story, Dusty Goes to Alaska? Yes. It happened to a coworker of mine, her mom's dog. She lives in a little East Texas town. It's 3,995.6 miles from Rusk, Texas to Alaska. And these people picked the dog up, and they lived in Alaska, and they took Dusty, is my dog's name, they took Dusty with them to Alaska. He was kidnapped, and a lot of adventures happened to Dusty, and it was sounded like it'd make a great book, so I thought, well, hey, maybe I can write a book, so I did. Hmm. Janice, did you have a certain group of readers in mind when you wrote this? It's usually for, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, between like five to eight years old, it's a children's book. How long did it take you to write Dusty Goes to Alaska? <laughs> that's, that's what's crazy. Whenever I start, something hits me, I start writing it down. So I, start, I started writing this down, and I thought before I knew it, I had a book written. Mm -hmm. So then I got it sent off to the Christian Faith Publishers and got accepted and passed the review board, and here I am. Oh, congratulations on that. Have you ever done anything like this before? No, I haven't. You know, I never even thought about writing a book. The furthest thing from my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like then when you got that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was very emotional. And it was, I just honestly, I couldn't think of, you know, how did I get, how did I get to this point? You know, both my parents have passed away and I thought, golly, if they could just see what I've done, you know, <laughs> it's, I was just real emotional with it. Just to have to touch it, my first book. When it came to things like the illustrations and the cover, was that a challenging process? It wasn't too bad, you know, after I kind of got the system down and figured out, you know, what I needed to do. And it made it pretty easy with the pictures that they had that you can work with, you know, and adjust to fit what I needed. It, it wasn't a big ordeal. And have you given any thought to maybe writing more and publishing another book? I have. My second one has already made it through the review board and wow. it's Dusty Goes on a Picnic. And I also have my Christmas one ready for next year. I just have to tweak it a little bit, and I've already got another one ahead of me. What advice could you give now to aspiring authors who want to get their first book out there? Well, only suggestion I say I can think of is say what's in your heart. You can't make that up. When you're taking on a project like this, writing, publishing a book, it often helps to have people in your life who can kind of support you and, and be there for you. Janice, did you have anybody in your life like that? My husband was, yes, he gave me, he gave me a sign that I have hanging in my office. It says she believed she could, so she did. Mm. 
Oftentimes, authors tend to be big readers. What kind of a reader are you? I'm not. <laughs> that's that's the funny thing about it. I've never been much of a reader. I just, I'm not, you know, it's, I'm like, all oh, that, you know, it's just a waste of time to sit down and read a book. But <laughs> unless you, you know, you get something that really catches you. I'm not, like I said, I'm not much of a reader, but I like a lot of something that keeps you, keeps you reading. You know, the few books that I have read, have, you know, have read, that's, you know, they've kept me, kept my attention so I could read a few books. But like I said, I'm not much of a, not much of a reader. Now, Dusty Goes to Alaska, that's your first book. You have at least two more on the way, so it doesn't sound like you have a hard time coming up with ideas. Do you ever get writer's block or anything like that? I haven't yet. I mean, what's crazy is that I wake up in the middle of the night, and then I sit there and start writing down all the stuff that's coming through my head, and I just I just think it's somehow God's telling me, you know, what I need to do to make this work. I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Dusty Goes to Alaska. It was written by Janice Baldridge and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Janice, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time learning about Dusty Goes to Alaska, and thanks again for chatting. Thank you. I appreciate you. There's a new book out right now by Reverend Dr. Victor M. Beasley and it aims to prepare the church for the second coming of Christ. It's titled, Catching Heaven, The Keys to Spiritual Funding. I'm really happy that Reverend Beasley is right here with me now. Reverend, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Corey. Can you tell me what you've written about in Catching Heaven? Well, that could take a couple of weeks, but I'll give you the brief <laughs> version. <laughs> Actually, I believe that we're living in the last days. With all that is going on in the world today, it seems obvious that the prophecy is being fulfilled. I'm not suggesting that we're actually at the end of it all, but certainly at the beginning of the sorrows. And with that said, I think it is very important for those of us who truly believe that we prepare ourselves for the second coming of Christ and his kingdom in the earth. How long were you working on this? Excellent question, Corey. Again, I'll try to give you the brief version. <laughs> the actual idea was sown into my spirit years ago. I would say somewhere around 2007, 2008. But I didn't get to work on it at that time. Just a basic idea, and I started doing a little research. And of course, some things have happened over the years since then that either delayed it or accelerated it. So the actual work has gone on for several years, but to actually sit down and write it was a whole different phase, if that makes sense. Hmm. What sorts of readers do you think would be most into Catching Heaven? Now, that's an interesting question, too. For pretty much anyone who is really concerned about what is happening in the world today, hmm. and those certainly who are Christians slash born-again believers would certainly be interested, but there are those who have yet to come to Christ to know him as their personal Lord and Savior. I think that they would find it very, very captivating, along with those of other religions. And that's one of the points that I make in the book. Hmm. There's a big difference between spirituality and religion. Hmm. But to answer your question, any number of people who might be interested in what's happening in the world today. And I, I need to add this too, Corey. 
so many people as a result of what's going on are actually catching hell. And that is what led to the title Catching Heaven mm. in the subtitle The Keys to Spiritual Funding. So much is going on. So so many of those people, that group, how many of the millions that might be, will be interested and I think humbly so, that they would benefit greatly from reading the book. It sounds like a lot went into writing this book. Uh, have you ever done anything like this before? Did you know what to expect? Actually, I did not know what to expect. And no, I have not written anything along this line before. I went to grad school, and of course, I was exposed to a lot of different writings and such, and it opened me up to what might be possible. And of course, I had never been challenged to that degree. But even in undergrad school, I went to school at Morehouse College in Atlanta, and I had one of my courses was religion, and I had an awesome professor, and he planted that seed, that interest at that time in reading and studying the Word of God and not to pursue it as a religion per se, but to, to see, to really try to understand some of what was going on in just a basic way. Corey, that was back in 70, 1976, hmm. The book is titled Catching Heaven, The Keys to Spiritual Funding. It's written by Reverend Dr. Victor M. Beasley, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Reverend Beasley, thank you again for joining me tonight. It was wonderful learning about Catching Heaven. I'm looking forward to what you're writing next, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Thank you, Corey. God bless you. Very happy to be sitting down with author Sherry Payne right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sherry, thank you for joining me here tonight. Ah, blessings and joy to everyone, too. You have a new book that's out right now. It's called Jesus is Love of Loves. Can you tell me about it? Oh, it started in October of 2010 when I met Jesus face-to-face in a car accident. Hmm. I died, and I knew I had died because my car, a witness said the car had flipped about seven times. Wow. And I knew when I was being flipped, I hit my face on the steering wheel and what have you, and I just knew, and I yelled, God, and Jesus showed up. I don't know how long I was in his presence, but wow, since then, miracles, blessings, healings, you name it, it has been awesome. Oh, my gosh. What sorts of readers do you think would really be into this book the most? I'm hoping and praying that it gets to the children. Mm. The children are the ones that need to know the most about him, that he is love of loves, that he is unconditional love for you and always with you. Have you ever written before? Have you ever published a book before this? No, sir, I haven't. This is the first time. Congratulations on getting your first book out there in stores. What was the hardest part about the whole thing for you? Really nothing. I just, you know, in my mind, or the Holy Ghost would say, you know, anything is possible. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward and stay Mm. focused on Jesus. And it just came to me. The paintings that I did, the writings were all him through, you know, into me and He's amazing. How long were you working on this? Uh, I started probably about two years prior. I was going up to West Virginia to help my mom on the weekends because she was in what they call assisted living. Mm. 
so I would go up there and help her. And she was my biggest supporter and fan. Oh. She passed away in September of 2019. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it, it, I know where she's at. So it's, you know, it's awesome. Mm. People shouldn't, you know, mourn over it or grieve because, oh, heaven is amazing. It's beautiful. And it's just love, mm. pure love. After you put all that time and hard work into this, what was it like when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Oh, wow. Brenda sent it to me and she goes, it's on its way. <laughs> and oh, I just, I'm still in like awe of it, excited. And yes, I want to do some book signings and different things and tell the kids and read to the kids and just, just still in awe and excited over it. Have you given any thought to writing another book and publishing another? The Lord has put on my heart five of them. Wow. Yes. And one is a devotional for children. So, you know, they can put it by their bedside. He's got all kinds of great ideas. A lot of people listening right now are aspiring authors. They want to get their first book out there. Can you give them any words of advice? I say do it. He put it on your heart. The Lord puts everything on your heart. And don't worry about the money or how it's going to look or what is, you know, do it. Because anything is possible with him. And he loves you. And if he put it on your heart, then it'll be a success. It always is. He doesn't make mistakes. He is perfect. He's an awesome God, our Father. The book is called Jesus is Love of Loves. It's written by Sherry Payne, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sherry, thank you again for coming by the show, telling me about Jesus' love of loves. I hope we can do this sometime again soon. Oh, it would be a blessing to talk to you again, and it was today, too. I'd like to welcome author Peter Caffrey to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Peter. Thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you very much, Corey. Appreciate it. You've released a new book. It's called Bless Me, Father, For I Have Sinned, A Memoir of Healing. Uh, what's this book all about? Well, there's definitely some background there. When I was in my young teens, I was abused by a Catholic priest. And I faced about the last 10 years, I've had about at least one or two appointments a week with a therapist. And as a result of the therapy, I started writing this book. It all started with really just the first lines, line of the book, first sentence. And so what I took from memories and different stories I've heard and actual things with the particular priest and wove that into kind of a novel form, but it's got some, some reality behind it, certainly. Hmm. So it was, I will say, it was extremely therapeutic to write. It made a huge difference in my life. Hmm. Did you have a certain target group of readers in mind? You know, when I was first writing it, a couple of relatives of mine read it, and then they knew people who had been abused, and they gave them some of the chapters, and they found it very healing for them. So I think it's something that people who have faced things like this, abuse from, from any source, might find something for themselves. There are various chapters that deal with different subjects, but along in a storyline. And I think they'll, they may find some things that help them. You know, and it, maybe it's in the same vein that it helped me to write it. It will help people to read it, too. What does your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before? No, I haven't, actually. It's kind of funny. I, I mostly just have written, 
I'm an engineer by training, and I've written technical papers. It's kind of kind of funny. This is my first time delving into uh, actual literature, I would say. Yeah, quite a different style than you're used to, I'm sure. What was the most challenging part of it for you? Really, I think that the most challenging part was at times, and anyone can see this when they go and, and read the book, there are times I had to go places that were very frightening for me. I had to go there in order to be able to write. Then I had to come back out. So you mentally go there, you emotionally go there, and then you have to find a way back out of that. And my wife, can, can she can confirm that when I had to go there, it, I, I, I kind of was a little different. And then I came in coming back out, she could see the change. And I think in doing that at the same time, that was therapy too, being able to step into those spaces and then voluntarily be able to step back out. Have you given any thought to maybe writing more and publishing more books? I have. I have. Different ideas come into my mind. Right now, actually, I'm extremely busy with work right at this point, so it might be a little bit difficult, but I have various ideas in mind. Nothing that's solidified yet at this point, though. Can you tell me how you're feeling, maybe the things you were thinking whenever you got that first copy of your book in your hands? Oh, well, it's kind of funny. It was a kind of two different feelings. It was, in some ways, a feeling of accomplishment, but at the same time, it was, oh no, I wrote a book, oh my goodness, and there's a lot of me in it, and, and people will be reading that and they'll know more about me, but I've gotten over that part. I think that whenever we create something, we wonder how it will be judged by society. But at this point, I'm, I just feel happy in being able to have written it, whether anybody reads it or not. So that's the, the main thing. Hmm. A lot of our listeners right now have a message that they want to release to the world. What advice could you give to these aspiring authors? Well, really, the easiest thing to do is just to start writing. Don't, don't be afraid of it. Don't hesitate. If you have something in mind, start going with it. Don't think that you can't. The thing that's going to stand in your way is yourself. All you have to do is start the process. If you run into a problem, you can give yourself the time to work through it. You're not in a rush here. Some people can write books in a very short time. Others can write take years to. So there's no time limit. There's nobody standing behind your back with a, with a watch. Allow that creativity to flow. Sometimes you'll feel, yes, I can write. Other times, oh, I can't do a thing here. And it's all okay. A lot of authors are avid readers. What kind of a reader are you? Oh, I, I read quite a bit. I'm, I used to read a lot of uh, fiction fantasy, but at this time in my life, I am an avid reader of history. Hmm from American history to uh, European history. It's something that I, I just can't seem to get enough of. So I just, if you look at my, my shelves, I've got a lot of different history books of all different types. So I just really appreciate the uh, understanding of how people have related to each other in the past, what history does to create what we have now as, as we move forward. Mm, certainly some important things there. I encourage our listeners to check out this book. It's called Bless Me, Father, For I Have Sinned, A Memoir of Healing, written by Peter Caffrey and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, like at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Peter, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Well, thank you very much, Corey. I definitely appreciate it. Author Susie Wonderly-Clark is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Susie, thanks for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
It's great to have you here. You got a new book out right now. It's called Bernie Bakes a Cake. Could you tell me about it? Yeah, it's just, it's a children's picture book. It's been a labor of love. It's about, you know, a family folk lore about myself and my mom. And it's just kind of a fun, engaging little story. Hmm. How did the idea for the story come about? You know, I had been tossing it around in my head for years. Then my mom passed away three years ago. Mm, sorry. Oh, thank you. But it's really kind of in honor of her. It's just it's just one of those family stories that gets told and retold and everybody laughs about. And I thought, you know, I've got to get this in print. That'll just be something nice in honor of my mom. And the words, about two years ago, the words just started coming. And I was able to pen it pretty easily. And then, you know, obviously had a bunch of revisions. It was interesting how it just kind of, popped into my head one day. That's wonderful. Is this the first time you've done anything like this? Yes, absolutely. Uh, how long did it take you to do all together? Oh, a couple of years. I mean, because I found my own illustrator, which, you know, I was clueless. I didn't know that I necessarily didn't need to, but I'm so grateful I did. So we worked side by side, the illustrator and myself, and she really caught the vision of what I had envisioned. And um, she was fantastic. And we worked really well together. So I think that that may be why it took a little bit longer. And I didn't know where to start. So Fulton Books has been amazing for me. Bernie Bakes a Cake is a children's picture book, like you said. Did you have a certain age range of children in mind? Yeah, so I was thinking, you know, 3 to 10. I know that's a broad spectrum, but I think it's funny enough for older kids to get it and make them laugh. But it's also easy enough for younger, younger children. So you've written a book for the first time. You've been through the publishing process for the first time. I'm sure you learned a lot. Is there any advice that you could give for aspiring authors listening right now? Yeah, I think just continue. If you have a dream, just continue to plug away and just keep trying. It, it doesn't matter how many times you get told no. or I mean, if you, if you really believe in something, I think you just keep going for it. Hmm. I was lucky to find some good people at Fulton Books and and I actually had some friends that um, have published and gave me some advice. So that, that was priceless to me. Hmm. What are the chances Bernie might make a return in a sequel of some sort? Like 99%. <laughs> <laughs> she, I'm actually already working on the sequel that's in editing right now. So the chances are actually very good. <laughs> hmm. What would you say was the most challenging part of the whole thing from writing it out to final publishing? I think finding the right publisher was very challenging. And I worried along the way about having what I envisioned translate to paper, mm. if that makes sense. And then I think, I think waiting. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a patient person, so I think <laughs> waiting for everything to come to completion was, was a little hard. So after all that work, all that waiting and everything you put into it, how did it feel when you held that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, that is a dream come true to see your name in print and, and your dream on paper. Yeah, it was amazing. You talked about consulting some people looking for advice while you were writing this book. Were there other people in your life who you would say were motivational or inspirational to you along the way? Well, yeah, for sure. My mom. And I felt 
you know, it's funny because I wanted to write down this story before she passed. I've wanted to write this story down for years, but it wasn't until she passed away that I felt the urgency. But my brother is a writer and he's always been inspirational to me. Yeah, he was invaluable. I have a good friend and neighbor that is an author as well. And, and his advice was priceless. Mm. So, and I look up to, to both of those men completely. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Bernie Bakes a Cake. It's written by Susie Wonderly Clark, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, like on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Susie, thanks for joining me here again tonight. I had a great time learning about Bernie Bakes a Cake and just a really nice time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Suzanne Williams. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. You've got a new book out right now. It's for children, and it's called Super Wendy. Could you tell me about it? Super Wendy is a story of a little girl, about five or six, whose daddy says she's super. And she realizes that although she doesn't have super magical powers or extraordinary strength or anything, she and her friends can do things that are considered super. Children can do their part in the world, too. Mm. What gave you the inspiration to write this? Well, I wrote this 35 years ago. Hmm. For our little Wendy, she was such a delight, and I wrote a story just for her. Mm. Now, 35 years later, she said to me, Mom, you should publish this story. It's cute. <laughs> it's adorable. Aww. So I did. Mm. <laughs> and I'm delighted that it has turned out as well as it has. Mm. Is this the first time you've written or published a book? Oh, absolutely. I had no idea I was ever going to publish anything. I'm sure you learned a lot being your first book published. What advice could you give to aspiring authors? Well, I'd say decide who your target audience is going to be and then go. Mm. Just write, write and write and write and rewrite. Because even with the illustrations in Super Wendy, I still had to go over and over and over. But in the end, the book wrote itself. Mm. Were the illustrations an easy part of the process or were they challenging? Well, this is practically a picture book, and I am no artist, which means my publishers, Christian Faith Publishing, had people set up and they did the illustrations for me. As I chose what they put in and I could say, nope, that I need this to look like this or I need the house on the other side or, you know, I want her hair in ponytails or anything like that. They were very, very helpful. I understand you've used a special font in this book. Could you tell me about that? Yes. I was looking for things that would be useful and helpful and came across this open dyslexic, it's called. The font is generally available. It's created by Abelardo Gonzalez, and I hope I have his name right, but he created it to help dyslexic readers. So I'm hoping that someone who is dyslexic might find it a little bit easier to read. Oh, how fantastic. Now, would you have plans to maybe write another book? Well, we have a son, so maybe. Oftentimes when you're a writer, it also means you love to read. Uh, would you call yourself an avid reader? I love to read. I don't get to read as much as I'd like, but I do. I love to read. 
I prefer historical fiction. I am not big on violence or maybe inappropriate language, but I love historical fiction and biographies. It says here Super Wendy is an early reader, children's book, and you also said it was a, a practically a picture book as well. So does that mean it can go from the earliest of readers and up? I think so. I think really the first few times that a reader, an adult, a big older sibling, whatever, I think after a few times of having the book read to a child, they will be able to read it back to the adults. Hmm because there are so few words, and there are so many clues in the illustrations. Now, I understand there are special things in this book, like the red bow that's worn by Super Wendy, and uh, also the, the little dog I see on the cover. Could you go into those things? Well, little Super Wendy and her friends do a lot of good things, like one day they are cleaning up in the park. Towards the end of the story, there's a storm on one night and the next day she and her father and the neighbors across the street are cleaning up the trash from the storm and taking dead branches and she is helping get a dog untangled from the pile of branches the dog must have run away or something in the middle of the storm mm. so she cleans him up and loves on him the name of the book is Super Wendy. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's written by Suzanne Williams. You can pick this up everywhere that you shop for books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Suzanne, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time learning about Super Wendy. Looking forward to more from you. I just had a really nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you, Corey. I enjoyed the conversation. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.